welcome to the Anxious in Austin podcast. Yeah, welcome. Um, I am Dr. Marianne Stout from the Anxiety Treatment Center of Austin. Yeah, and I'm Dr. Thomas Smithman, independent, um, practical. Um, and we are doing our second podcast, uh, YouTube cast, um, about yeah. the coronavirus. Uh, as an addendum, things have changed since our last Boy, podcast. Boy, have they. In many ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what, what, what was it, like early March? Must have been. Yeah. Yeah, things are obviously very different. The information that we have, the state of our country is very different. Interestingly, mm -hmm. I mean, we've been doing this podcast virtually yeah. for a while. So we were like well set up for the stay at home. Totally. You know, we, we also made two attempts to record a why you should do online therapy and the science around effectiveness of online therapy we recorded it twice and we had technical issues destroyed <laughs> it both times and uh here we find ourselves well you it's now necessary to do online mm -hmm. therapy mm -hmm. everyone is now an online therapist yes um yeah. and <clears throat> but there are some differences sorry i have like a frog in my throat um there are some differences i normally record in a different part of my house <laughs> but i am stuck in an even smaller part of my house now, so I don't have to uh -huh. record around my family. <laughs> that would, that yes. would not be helpful so, for anyone. So that's changed. That's Your location changed. changed. How uh, reasonable it is to do online therapy has changed. Mm -hmm. um, there was no, I, yes, there, there was, it was before the um, stay at home orders mm -hmm. went out. That was before, what else? I mean, I think that's the big one. I mean, stay at home and then also like the, it, I can't remember, like it wasn't really present too much in the U.S. That's what I, yeah, that time, was it right? primarily like, like California and Washington? Like then? maybe, right? I mean, it's hard to remember, but I know it was like, it was, it was hitting Europe, I think at the time. And it hadn't really hit America yet. So, yeah, yeah so all the stuff's different. Yes. A lot yes. of changes then. I mean, more information about symptoms, and but in some ways more confusing detail because we don't really still, we still don't really know some, yes. things, you know. I saw some funny thing on YouTube of like this woman. Yeah. Did you see that? Doing like a, oh. Probably not. She, she did like a press conference saying all the like information that we have. She's like, this is all the information we have. And it was like every single thing was contradictory. Um, so yeah, it was, I'm sure she's like a comedian or something. Um, but yeah, yeah, like, yes, like, we have more information, yeah. but there's a lot of things we still don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, that, that's kind of it. It's more information, but it's not necessarily, like, clear yet. Even. Yeah, definitive. Like, mm -hmm. even uh, having a temperature, like, having a fever is no longer, you know, at first it was like, oh, that, this is the clear symptom everyone has this. Mm -hmm. But uh, no, now it turns out a bunch of people that end up in hospital never had a fever. Mm -hmm. And the piece of like right asymptomatic carriers like totally. are way yeah. more prevalent than people ever realized before. So it's totally. not just that you have to look out for, yeah, if somebody has a fever. Like there's like what the rates that they you know that they said that twenty one percent of New York City had it has had it and yeah 
14% of New York state, like that mm -hmm. it is very prevalent, even if you have not had symptoms. Totally. Yeah. So that, that's changed. That's changed. Um, yeah. I, Sorry, go on. Oh, so I wanted to, yeah. So I, and in light of like, like there have been over 50,000 deaths in America, like that, that obviously changes some of the things that we said, right. About this being similar to the flu. Obviously, like this is way more um, contagious mm -hmm. than the I mean, flu. That, yeah, more contagious, right? Um, less, I mean, I think still less known, mm -hmm. but, but it's spreading in a way that's like very contagious. Mm -hmm. um, um, outcomes we still don't really know. Totally. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted us to like, I was feeling nervous about that piece. And like, I didn't want people to think that we were not taking this seriously based on our last podcast. I also just clinically speaking, feel like the tone of things has shifted a bit. Mm. Um, just from the clients whom I have seen a lot of it, it was, I'd say the people who were very anxious about it were more people who had health anxiety or OCD contamination OCD. Mm -hmm. And the rest of my clients weren't really thinking that much about it. Yeah. Then, right, I feel like um, here in Austin, I was saying AISD closed the schools, um, I believe it was the 14th of March. Um, and I feel like that week, really so many people, friends, um, family, clients, were really expressing a lot of this. And, and myself personally, of course, the um, a lot of the fight or flight pieces um, were kicking in, right? Like uh, there was so much unknown, seeming like humongous threat. Um, a ton of uncertainty and I, I, and myself, like had, you know, difficulty sleeping, just, mm -hmm. you know, not feeling hungry, feeling just on edge all the time. Um, and hearing so much with lots of clients who, you know, didn't have health anxiety, being really afraid of, you know, what's going to happen, what's, what's going to happen to my health, what's going to happen to, you know, my job. All of these pieces, um, just feeling really, really scared. Yeah. And then when I feel like when the uh, stay-at-home order came in in Austin, and I blank now the days run one to the next. I want to say it was like a week later, something like that. What? Anywho, mid-March ish. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like since people have been stuck in their homes pretty much even though obviously there is a lot of still uncertainty and such i feel like a lot more people are, have been expressing that when you know people who have never experienced any kind of depression in their lives are coming and talking about like i just don't feel motivated you know mm -hmm. i i just you know from one day to the next i feel pretty blah or i just don't feel like i have anything to look forward to or i feel like it's like groundhog day which i saw on netflix their algorithm everybody must be watching this because that is that's like a great movie. movies right now um and um my sleep is off and um you know i just i feel really irritable and so all of these symptoms were pretty classic depression symptoms and maybe it wouldn't be like to the case of being like clinically diagnosable but mm -hmm. a lot of these pieces right um coming into play and then when I started doing research for this podcast on like what our experts saying would be helpful all of the things that they're describing all of the behaviors that they're saying to engage in are all the things that we do um research shows that helps in treating depression 
So okay. I thought it would be helpful for us to talk about some of, you know, since you are stuck at home, mm-hmm. unless right as of today, you yeah. live in Georgia, and maybe that's a little different if the world is opening up a little bit there. But even yeah. still, the world is not going to open up yeah. overnight to or, be like it or used to. Essential work is yeah. have, have a different thing going on. Yes, exactly. That um, yeah. it's we are like life is difficult. Life is strange. Life, mm-hmm. life looks really different right now, and so things that can help. Okay. Yeah, that that sounds like a valuable topic to me. And yeah. I'm, I'm curious what you uh, what you have. I'm I'm going to be speaking less today because I uh, <laughs> since we last talked. Um, I came, I managed to go to New York, uh, middle of March, which was, uh, perfect timing mm-hmm. and then got Corona like the next day. And so I've been sick for like five weeks. So I've done not a lot of, not a lot of sessions and no research. And, uh, I, this is sound in New York city. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that. Yeah. Yeah, we can hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I'm, but I'm, I'm sort of, so I'll be listening more than anything else. So I'm sure I'll have ideas too. Yes. Well, and I think that piece of it too, as we've been talking, the like, I mean, I think some of these same symptoms happen. You can say if it's happened with you, of right when you're kind of stuck in, at home, not feeling well. Mm-hmm. It, it lends to some of these same symptoms of feeling like the days run one into the next. There's not well, a lot that you're looking I mean, forward to. You don't have a schedule. It disrupts so your sure. sleep. Yeah. It's <laughs> way off. That's, that's, that's all true. Yeah. So I think in those same pieces too, I mean, yeah, I think those are really similar symptoms. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we did research on this. I mean, all of the research is pretty similar. Well, first of all, if you look at like research for depression, it all says CBT and SSRIs. <laughs> like sure, yes, yes. That's totally. first thing. You're gonna have to dig through a lot more to get through that. I'm like, uh huh, uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. Other than that, other mm-hmm. than doing, you know, specific uh, psychologist-led therapy and um, taking yeah. medications, what are other things that you can do? Yeah, what are like the subclinical depression? If you're Um, not, if you if you're not already doing video chat therapy, (laughs) yes, then uh, what else can you be doing? Yeah, Um, and have we never talked about depression in a podcast before? Uh, That's a good question. I don't know. We've certainly talked about the components of treatment, but I think focus on how those apply to anxiety, not depression. I don't think, I don't think we've done a depression one, no. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I have basically stolen my ideas on depression from you. <laughs> Just the idea that, like, right, anxiety being more of, like, a short-term threat, yeah. in response to a short-term threat, using mm-hmm. fear to have you avoid, and mm-hmm. depression being more in response to, like, a long-term threat, using, like, sadness lack of motivation, yeah. feeling down yeah. to get you Failure. to kind of, yeah, go back to bed sort of to avoid this threat. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we, right, like at first when everyone's feeling like, oh no, there's this threat out there of this coronavirus thing. Oh no, no, no. Right. Yeah. Fight or flight goes up, feel one of those pieces. And then as it kind of goes on, right, like, and you're stuck in your house, 
It's yeah. basically the exact analogy I always give to people. Of like, there's a bear chasing you. Turns on your fight or flight, dumps a bunch yeah. of adrenaline and cortisol into your system, mm -hmm. gets you to try to avoid. And now depression is more like that bear has, you know, set up camp outside your house. And so you're stuck in your house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so just go to bed because why try? It's kind of the same thing, right? So it's like coronavirus is waiting for you outside of your house. So just like, why try? Why Don't engage. If, you know, if you go out mm -hmm. and engage... You're going to have to face this threat, so don't leave your house. Yeah. I mean, it, it it also makes you think of the the behaviorist model of um, depression, you, you know, like the, the behaviorist being the people that the psychologists who originally were, like, working on rats and pigeons to understand humans. Um, mm -hmm. But their, their model of depression is that it was a lack of reinforcement. And the lack of reinforcement came from a lack of behavior. So you were depressed because you were not doing enough and you weren't doing enough behaviors and getting like rewarded and reinforced for doing those. So like I think of that mm -hmm. with isolation all the time because if you're trying to argue for like don't isolate for mental health, the problem is that a lot of times you're sitting inside, you're not doing enough activity. You're not doing anything where you're going to get the reward and reinforcement. Like socializing is a behavior that has a lot of reinforcement um, or going out and doing hobbies. You know, there's, there's things where you're like, oh, that was, I'm so glad I did that. Even though I didn't feel like it in advance, I went and did it and I got rewarded and reinforced and I felt better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and which... forced isolation is going to knock those kind of normal routines that where you normally get reinforcement and reward from. It's going to just knock those off. Mm -hmm. Like off balance. Yeah. And so uh, most uh, psychology, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy psychologists for depression, their go-to line is behavioral activation, right? Like do more things, do things that, well, they just want you to do anything, but I always think of like do things that you historically have, that have historically brought you joy. And even if at first they're not bringing you a ton of joy, right? The more mm -hmm. that, yes, you engage with them, the more reinforcing they are, the better they feel, keep doing them. Yeah. Um, and, but, and also, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, also, like, part of that um, behavioral activation kind of research is that you need both kinds of behavior. You need the joy behavior. They're like happy, fun. I really, it's, I like it. It's pleasant and pleasurable. But you also need some achievement behavior too. So the stuff where it's not necessarily super fun while yeah. you're doing it but you're like oh i achieved something i'm proud of myself there was accomplishment there was progress you know I, or i did something valuable in some way you know it's good to have yeah. both of us so you know it's, it's why sitting and watching seven episodes of a netflix show in a row it's going to have diminishing returns mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um yeah well though i looked at all these different Mm -hmm. pieces and honestly the one that was like the most succinct was like a WebMD article <laughs> um it, I, you know because it, it just summarized, it like, summarized the research really well. yes uh things that can they're called like natural depression treatments I guess it just means okay, not great. prescribed medication yeah, um yeah. get in a routine basically that that's a big one, right? Like that's that I think is one of the big struggles for a lot of people is getting those routines where they've figured out what to do and they're used to it, the body's used to it. 
get stressful to not be in routine. Well, and I think of it from a lot of different ways, right? Um, having a routine, right? If you like, like we've talked about in other podcasts, if you get up at the same time each day, you're more likely to be tired around the same time each day. And so it can help regulate your sleep. And there is a ton of chicken or egg research with sleep and depression, right? That mm -hmm. if you have disrupted sleep, it can trigger depression. They used yeah. to historically think of depression as a symptom or excuse me, uh, disrupted sleep is a symptom of depression. And now there's a lot of thinking that depression is actually a symptom of disrupted sleep. Yeah. So, right, take away people's routines, staying up later, sleeping in later, can take a nap when they want to in the middle of the day. Um, don't have like, yeah. you know, can get on to their class, their virtual class anytime they want or can turn in their work whenever they want. Um, right, it really kind of, our bodies do not like that. Our bodies love routine. They let to know. Yeah. Even for things like eating, right? Like mm -hmm. they start to, I don't know all the processes of this, but right, like your digestion starts around the same time that it's used yeah. to. Yeah, hormonal processes mm -hmm. and, and processes are, are timed to, and they're factored in with sleep and eating, yeah. So, um, that, yeah, we love routines. Um, this is something that I've talked a lot about with clients is it's hard because, right, you don't have this accountability piece in the same way right now. Um, so same cues that you're used to having to cue yeah, you, yeah. Yes, like I have um, a lot of students who go to UT, University of Texas, and they have said, some clients have said that they have like a Zoom, a live Zoom um, class, but some just have their professors have pre-recorded and put it on there and it's up to the student to figure out, you know, when to watch it. And so there's so much freedom, right? There's not this charter, yeah. Oh, this external accountability piece. Totally. Um, and so it messes with our schedule and it really messes up too with this idea of um, motivation, right? Like that we think we should be great at kind of internal motivation long-term and we as humans we can I think we can do internal motivation in the short term right like oh yeah like this is a new thing I can do this this is a change I can figure it out but I think we're just not built for long-term you know sustained internal no that's, motivation. that's why we have that's why we operate on habits yeah we have habits we have yeah. um, that's when they're looking at a lot of like the what helps with motivation accountability right like usually mm -hmm. We know like that um, motivation follows action. It's not like you jump out of bed, right? And you're feeling super motivated for the day. You get out of bed because you have to be somewhere at a certain yeah. time because you are held accountable, right? I yes. have to show up at work at whatever, 8 a.m. Because if not, my boss is going to see and I'm going to get in trouble, right? So there's this accountability piece that feeds into it that a lot of that is just removed right now. So this idea Probably. of getting in a routine the deck is kind of stacked against you. And so thinking of what, again, like having some flexibility, it doesn't have to be this all or nothing of I have the exact routine I had before because you don't have a commute. There are a lot of things that, you know, yeah. you have some more flexibility with, but having, working toward. Yeah, can I, to create a, yeah, a routine yeah. schedule. Yeah, exactly. Can I like schedule my virtual therapy sessions in the morning <laughs> if I can do some like, chaining onto that you know some... I, I do find that one thing that makes a difference I, I'm sure people do this too but I, I found a lot of times when people switch to work from home or they have these different shifts in jobs or routines just traditionally um, 
sometimes people get out of the habit of like getting up and doing the initial morning routine, mm. the like getting up, showering. showering, eating, like that sort of stuff. That if you, if you still stick to that routine, that stops it from like getting kind of knocked off and becoming mm. feeling like a weekend or mm-hmm. something. Like uh, I've worked with people before on just having this one, accomplishing that first piece of the, of the day then makes it much easier to kind of have a schedule afterwards. Mm-hmm. Sure. Whereas if you get up and sit around and go on your phone for a while and then watch TV, for you know, that kind of stuff can throw you off and enough time without accomplishing things but not really, really I don't know, it, it ends up not working as well. Yeah, yes. Um, yeah, because, right, that piece of that motivation follows action. If I get up and I start doing some things, I feel a little more motivated to keep doing things. But if I get up and I don't do anything, there's not much motivation building on that. Yeah. Um, the second thing it says in here is uh-huh. set goals, and which is kind of what you're talking about. Um, the idea of like having some kind of accomplishment can be helpful with depression. Um, and this one, they talked to the director of UCLA's depression research clinic, um, mm-hmm. talking about like start small, make your, your goal something you could see, succeed at, like doing the dishes every other day. Right. This is for like clinical depression, but, um, again, yeah. like, yeah, can it be, I'm going to get up and take a shower I'm gonna get up and I'm going to change my clothes and brush my teeth. Or, like, you know, what are some yeah. realistic goals to start with? And, and I think too, like it's kind of implicit in what you said, but, um, great goals are goals that accomplish things that help you like meaning like self-care goals or like goals of doing things that are going to be like um, antidepressant to you. Mm-hmm. So goals of exercising, goals of journaling, goals of, you know, or like gratitude things or goals of talking to people, social, you know, those kind of setting goals where you are working on your psychological health, I think are great goals. Mm-hmm. So I just had like, some, some people when they start thinking about, Making routines and setting goals are thinking they're about what goals. Talk to saying, or they're going to be like, you should use this time to write a book and learn a new language. I'm like, oh, totally. all you celebrities, be quiet right now. <laughs> it's not yes. the time. This yes. is a humongous change for people. This is very stressful. Sorry, my yeah, dog let's... really wants to get back here. This is not the time to like, yeah, set yourself up for this giant accomplishment. You are not setting yourself yeah. up for success. <laughs> that, that little, yeah, set take care of yourself and set, yeah, definitely set goals to accomplish things, but set, yeah, reasonable, mm-hmm. self-compassionate goals. Mm-hmm. Totally achievable, doable. Yes. Um, third one. And I think that we, we have definitely talked about this one before because we talked about exercise and anxiety. Yeah, we did. Yeah. The vast majority of the research with um, exercise and mental health is on depression. Um, mm-hmm. There's way more out there for it for this. Uh totally. It releases endorphins. It helps regulate serotonin. It is so we are built to exercise. Our brains love it. Yeah. Um, I know there's some research where they look at the effect of uh, doing these exercise programs on depression and comparing it to the effect that antidepressants have on depression. And they're like statistically the same. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we talked about it on the last one that it was 20 minutes of walking three times a week had the same treatment effect as an entry level dose of an SSRI. Yeah. So 
what wonderful go mm -hmm. do we're even even uh you know staying at home whatever you're still allowed out to yes. walk around exercise walk so so go yeah. go do that you can still do that do it it, yeah. it is amazing. Yes. You can't kind of the gym, but you're allowed to walk and for, for our mental health stuff. Yeah. It's great. Out. Walking yeah. counts. Yeah, totally. I do think this has probably been harder for, like, I mean, New York City in a lot of ways, but, like, all of the North <laughs> than, than it has been for us Texans because I got to say one thing that Austin or Texas does well is spring. <laughs> like, oh, okay. summer, fall here is the worst. But springtime is pretty amazing. So everybody is like socially distant, but everybody's outside walking because the weather is fantastic. Yeah. It's honestly okay here. It's been raining a bit, but oh, that's good. It's not like stay inside winter. That is good. That's good. No, I'm originally from Chicago and I have a lot of friends like, we got snow. It's April and it snowed. I'm like, oh, that is not oh, that, helpful. That is rough. That is rough. <laughs> <laughs> not okay that is a slap in the face in these times although I will say I'm quarantining at home with my family and yeah when it's like rainy days here I'm like damn you <laughs> like universe this is hard enough now we can't get outside I know right <laughs> yeah that's somewhere it's good to be outside yes and and like you know there's I'm no exercise expert but I know that there's a bunch of these workout at home things happening in the internet world I don't pay attention to it personally but I see people talking about it so I know that it's easily accessible <laughs> in the internet there. world all kinds of how to work out at home kind of things Tons. so if, if yes. you want to do whatever more muscly things versus just walking but just walking is good and honestly being outside getting some sunshine Get, that is another get, one. Get your vitamin D going. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is one. Um, yeah. I think the research on that is not as robust, mm -hmm. but there's definitely, um, yeah, some research on how like mood improves when we are outdoors. Oh, sure. really? Oh. Mm -hmm. I, I know that there's research for nature, right? For yeah. Like being being sort of around trees in nature. Mm -hmm. um, so. It's worthwhile getting yourself in nature mm -hmm. to the extent that you can. Um, maybe that's I don't, are allowed to. I don't, I don't know if you're allowed to. Yeah. Um, here in Austin, they closed the parks over Easter weekend. Um, uh -huh. To stop parties or whatever? Yes. For all those nature parties. Uh, <laughs> but they are, yeah, all the trails and everything are open here so okay. yes we've been doing a lot of hiking it's great for sanity um eat, cool. eating healthy is another one that's on here mm -hmm. um we talked about this as well there is not a ton of great research on like this is the specific diet you should follow mm -hmm. um but there is some again not as robust but some decent research on foods containing omega-3s and um folic acid spinach, avocado, stuff like that, um, that can be helpful with depression. Uh, Omega-3s, that's well, like your fish oil. Fish um, oil, right, yeah. Salmon. I remember some of the research I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool. Avocados. Um, 
was on, uh, they said like a, a thousand milligrams of um, high quality omega-3s was helpful with depression. Again, not like robust research, but it's there. Yeah. Um, a thousand milligrams, like one, one capsule. So okay. that's a pretty easy one. That's one that usually when I've talked with clients about it, they're like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Taking a capsule is pretty easily easy, but um, yeah, the idea of like having, eating good food, eating healthy food is helpful. Seems I am also, you know, eating good food has a bunch of good side effects too. Yeah. All right. Like totally. not least of which right now is uh, like immune system, right? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know a ton about it, but I feel like uh, the little I do know is eat, eat well, and your immune system seems to respond better. I, yeah. I don't know what the details are, but it seems to generally be overall like have good fats and a bunch of vegetables and some a bit of fruit and don't eat a bunch of processed food. Mm-hmm. Right? That seems to be the majority of everything I've read in books and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But Again, not not really my not a, yeah area my expertise. expertise area. Right, yes, yes. I, um, I'm gonna say that because uh, since there's no treatment for me, I've just been trying to eat really well. Yeah. What are what are your foods of choice? Um, basically what I just said. Oh, okay. Yeah, eggs, eggs, uh, berries, salad, avocado, and bone broth. I was just gonna say, don't forget. Lunch. Having my bone broth every night with a bunch <laughs> of vegetables and yeah, that kind of stuff. I am not gonna lie, there have definitely been times during this, like I baked a chicken and then made my own bone broth, and I'm like, I am like a pioneer woman. Good <laughs> like, for I you. Can do I, this. I am very impressed. <laughs> wow. Going back to like my grandmother's depression era roots, you know. That's awesome. Growing yeah, some, cool. Growing some veggies here. Yeah. You know, old school. And it'd be like quilting soon enough. Hey, that, that might <laughs> be a goal you have. You have a goal, goal, goal to quilt? That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, get enough sleep is the one and we already talked a bit about about this. Uh, even that, like I've been working a lot with clients about some of the cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia work, the mm-hmm. stimulus yeah. control therapy. Look that up. Um, Google cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia or stimulus control therapy for insomnia. Um, yeah. We've talked about this before, but really helpful non-medication way of helping to improve your sleep. Yeah. And it's all just about trying to have your brain associate the bed with sleep in a better way and kind of matching up your, um, your body's internal clock um, with like where you physically are, the clock, the time there when you're supposed to be sleeping and when you're needing to, your body's needing to be sleeping, getting them to kind of match up better. Um, what are some other, oh, this says take on responsibilities. I think that's kind of getting at, this says like they ground you and give you a sense of accomplishment. I think a lot of this is working on some of the things that you were talking about, like the achievement piece. Sure, um, yeah. And, and that behavioral activation, like doing engaging things yeah. is helpful for our brains. You know, there's there's something to be said too for at a time like this. I thought about this a little bit, right? Of um it's like a sort of a human um crisis time 
and our instinct as humans is to all get together and do all this stuff and get close and bond and and we're actually being told to do the absolute opposite of that which is really weird so i feel like one activity that i can i've been thinking about is there's like kind of research showing that if you help people if you do something Mm. that's like pro pro social and caring and like sort of volunteers or does something that's like to aid and help other people that that Mm -hmm. is that's boosting of people's um mood and it can also at a time where you're like oh this crisis going on i can't do anything i'm stuck at home finding finding a way somehow to do something helpful um i I imagine if you you can put that into your kind of goals that will be helpful too yeah thinking of like putting my energy into things I can control instead of putting all of my time and thoughts into the things that I can't right now. That's Um, a great plan. um, And that's like, right. One of the top ones as far as with treating depression is getting support from, or getting, spending time with supportive loved ones. Again, yes, totally hard to do right now. Don't, this is not the time to be like socializing a ton with that friend who just makes you feel like crap <laughs> that you're like <laughs> always trying to one up each other. This is not frenemy time, you know, yeah. like you can mm-hmm. see your frenemies later. Like this is the time for people who like, yeah, make you feel good, make you laugh, make you yeah, feel connected. Yeah. Share and this some is vulnerability with themselves about themselves totally. with you. And, um, and video chat, right. Like one of the things we talked about in our, two failed video chat um, podcast was was this idea of uh, presence and that our emotional brains are not very good at telling the difference between video chat and real life. It Our brains sort of feel like we're looking at the person through a little window. They're hanging out. You're, you're just there through that window. Mm-hmm. So you don't get physical touch, mm-hmm. but you, you know, it's, it can do a lot for you, you know? It's, yeah. I, I'll say, like, even just personally, one of the, you know, I've tried to, and I'm going to talk about this next, but, like, I try to work on some gratitude with mm-hmm. my family through this, um, and one of the things I've been really grateful for, and I've heard this from lots of other people, is my family's kind of all spread around the country, and so we usually fly, I was supposed to actually go out to California over yeah. spring break to see my, you know, bring my kids and go skiing with my father and sister and their families, and um, we didn't get to do that, obviously, but we have been FaceTiming a ton, like way more than same, we normally do. Same. I've been way more in contact with my my parents than I have been, in, you know, well, in general. You saw them yeah. Last, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, I'm like, that's one thing that has been really nice with this. I feel like I know what's going on in their day-to-day lives and vice versa. Um, yeah. Because we've been like just checking in and just chatting. Um, because we were all like so craving <laughs> some like totally. good, supportive, connecting time with people who make us feel good. Um, so yes, reaching out to people, even you know, even if they're people you would just like normally hang out with here, which like I don't call them on the phone because I normally see them because I live near them. Yeah, you know, they're they're wanting to see you too. They're you're part of their daily connection piece, and I think that is such a hard part. When people are like, I don't understand why I'm feeling this way. I've had a lot of clients say that. Like, I don't get it. Like, mm-hmm. I have a job and I'm healthy. You know, I'm doing okay. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be feeling this way. 
I'm like, you know how many, even of those like we've talked about in a previous podcast, those like uh, minimal social interactions or those like uh, micro connections you normally get throughout your day? Like, totally. Yeah, you used to having tons of those. Tons. Just, just a little chit-chat with the person you get the coffee from. and Yes, and those up. are yeah. so helpful for us, right? The one we talked about was like a, how that was like one of the top factors in longevity was those minimal social interactions. And you're not getting those right now. So, mm-hmm. of course. So, you got it on purpose. Yeah. On purpose, get them. You got to yeah. Yeah, put some time into like yeah, connecting with people. Um, yeah. In, in ways that are doable right now. Yeah. Um, We've been doing a lot of house party, a lot of house party app little things. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was my one of my favorite memes in the beginning of all this was the Scooby Doo people, right? When they're like, "Who's behind this COVID nineteen?" and they pull the mask off the bad guy, and it's like the Zoom logo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, because we they are blowing up because we still need to connect. We and I thought about that too, like. During the Spanish flu, when to see, you know, what did right. they do? You wrote some letters? Like, how would well, you it, socially it, distance and still try to feel connected to people? You know, I've thought about it too. Like, I thought about, like, you know, even uh, I talked to someone who is young enough to have not known the world without the internet. But I was like, take a second and imagine what this, this isolation time would be like. What would you be doing if you didn't have internet? Like, what, what, would, your, what would you do with your time? And I, could, I could just tell they were like, what the hell? Who knows, right? Like, yeah, it, it, yeah you know, like, it's actually making me think with kind of like with the gratitude thing of um, it's important to focus on kind of positive things too, as well as, so, as, well as acknowledging the bad stuff. Yeah. yeah. This, uh, one of the things it says is like, challenging negative thoughts, obviously something that is like a core piece of CBT, mm-hmm. right? Identify negative automatic thoughts, working on challenging yeah. and changing them. What's evidence don't, against it? Totally. Yeah, what would don't, you tell a friend? Don't what would somebody else say to you in this situation? Mm-hmm. But I think I, yeah, like that's, I think one of the best parts um, for cognitive work, right? In this is that thinking of that mental filter that blocks out, good thoughts right like disqualifies discounts any positives and yeah. totally lets through any of the bad is almost like seeking out bad the more bad you feel yeah. the more bad you see and it kind of yeah. grows and grows so that's yeah where so much of this gratitude research comes out of is like on purpose seeking out mm-hmm. the good seeking out the positive because we yeah as humans are um much better at seeing the negative Right, like yeah. negative's gonna keep you alive. Negativity bias, yeah. Yeah, you see the alligator in that pond, you're gonna stay alive. And yeah. identifying the positives is gonna make your life feel better, but not necessarily keep you alive. So we're we're much more we're better programmed at, at seeing the bad. So it takes more effort. Yeah, we gotta actually try to get ourselves yes. used to looking for it. So, yeah, I think working on, and I've been practicing this myself, of working on some daily gratitude, um, mm. identifying, like, new positives every day, because I think that's a big piece of it with the research is, right. like, yeah. it's not just, I'm grateful for my dog, and you say that same thing every day, it kind of nah. loses some of its meaning. It's that, it's the process is more important than the content, right? Like, I'm always like, I don't mm. care, it could be, yeah. 
you know, looking, that the sun is shining. It could be, you know, mm-hmm. I like the outfit I'm wearing. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Mm-hmm. It's that act of seeking out, looking totally. for new things. Yeah, it trains your brain. Open up that filter. The, the other thing, too, this is kind of a subtle one, um, just because I hear this come up sometimes, is looking for positives that aren't saying it's not a negative, right? So saying, oh, I don't have this illness. Hmm. Like that yeah, yeah. that's different to oh, I'm healthy. I had this I had this nice interaction with somebody or this good mm-hmm. thing happened. That's finding good things, whereas like focusing on like, oh, there's a negative thing, but I don't have that. Mm-hmm. That that actually feels different. Mm-hmm. Like focus like look for look for positives, not don't look for the absence of negatives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. I love that. Yeah. Um I was gonna say something about just because, like, I got and I think I thought of that too, maybe because it was they're like, well, I, I haven't lost my job, and I don't have this. I'm like, yeah, that's like focusing on, on a negative and saying, well, I don't have it. But you're still mm-hmm. kind of focusing on a negative. So you're still kind of like, like, it could happen. It might be yeah, there. Yeah, totally. It's still priming that negative chain. Look for the positive. What are the what are these positive things? Mm-hmm. What, what good interactions did you have? What good experiences? What, what did you enjoy? What did you value? You know, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Um, and it helps. And it doesn't take a long time for it to help. Um, I think that is like a powerful tool I use in session. I'll be like, okay, right now, let's, let's come up with like, what are some new good things right now? And people like can feel differently right then. Like, wow, you know, like focusing on it. I wasn't engaging so much with the bad and it gave me a break from it even. Yeah. You know, this, this, uh, this might might be a something a topic for us to go over in the future. I've been doing a lot of this stuff with um, just a, in a larger sense that getting the the positive um, processing going mm. from people that that are locked into negative processing, and this especially in like social stuff and like especially like kind of dating. People haven't dated a lot, or a lot of dating anxiety and getting how to get that positive positive processing versus sitting down and ruminating and worrying and replaying old things and just the amount of time spent engaged in active negative processing and then training yourself to become better at processing the positive. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Because it, it, you know, negative processing will turn on your threat system and keep it going. Mm-hmm. And positive processing helps you decrease that and then get a little more of a sort of a drive and soothing um, activation going. Yeah. So, so at some point, maybe we'll talk more about that. Yeah. Um, makes me think of like some of the self-compassion research. Oh, I, I thought of you because I've been watching um, uh, 30 Rock. I didn't realize 30 Rock, which if you haven't watched it, it's one of the best shows of all time. It's, it not is, one of my I, top. it's the best show. I yeah. am rereading what? Bossy Pants, Tina Fey's oh, uh, yeah, yeah. memoir. That. That's so funny. Yeah. And like I... Uh, my friend pointed out that it's on Amazon Prime, which was the streaming service I had by default and had never really looked at. But I found it on Amazon Prime, so I've been watching like two episodes a day. But there was an episode today, this morning actually, where um, uh, Alec Baldwin's character is like psyching himself up before before he does a speech or whatever, and he's like, He's like saying, you're, you're amazing. You're the best. You can do this. You can, and he's saying all these things. And then Tina Fey's character is like, oh, 
oh yeah, it's like you talk to yourself before you go out to like pump yourself up. So like, I did that too. And then it cuts to her and she's like, you're an idiot. You look terrible. What are you doing? Stop being so weird. And it was like, so it was such a nice example of like, she thought that was psyching herself up to get ready to go and do things, but it was just shutting her attack, down. attack, getting the threat system going. It was the opposite of self-compassion. Is that the I episode? I thought you would love that. I love it. I love it yeah. so much. I love it so for so many reasons. Cause also like Tina Fey is, you know, my spirit animal. Um, is that the episode where she walks in and him like putting on a, a tux and she's like, so are you ready to go to the thing and give your speech? And he's like, He's like, no, that's not for another couple of weeks. She's like, then why are you wearing a tux? And he's like, it's after five. What am I, a farmer? <laughs> <laughs> it is not the episode. Oh, I shoot. believe it's, this is in season three, oh, season shoot. three something. But it was such a nice example of that, like, <laughs> like self-compassion versus what people are, uh, are doing before they realize they're not being self-compassion. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, I subscribe to, I'm going to mess it up. I can't remember his name. 10% Happier, that podcast. Oh, okay. Did I have the book. I haven't read it yet. What's his name? Dan. I want to say Dan Brown, but that's that author. <laughs> um, anywho. Yeah. I listened to a most recent one, and I've been recommending it to clients up and down because he interviews Kristen Neff about how to apply self-compassion during the pandemic and how helpful it is, especially for like perfectionists who feel like I should be using this time to be so productive and what mm. is wrong with me and why am I not writing a novel and learning a new language and all these things. And like, I'm, I'm worthless. Everybody else is doing all this great stuff and I'm here, you know, binge watching Netflix and what have you. And um, how helpful, like thinking about using self-compassion in a time like this, like you're doing okay. This is hard. This is a really it weird circumstance. Hard. It's and super weird. This is a yes. time we'll go down in history. Like, yes. And we're, so... We're, we're, it's a very difficult situation. Yeah. Like, so adding suffering on top of this already crappy situation just makes it twice as bad. And so, mm -hmm. you know, ways to thrive through this of, like, that common humanity. You are not alone. We are all in the entire world going through the same thing. She, like, points it out. She's like, this is one where it's really easy to excel this. <laughs> like... For once, people can see you are not alone. Everybody is struggling at the same yeah. time. And that, like, using kindness for yourself can help be really helpful in this crappy time. And doing, the, you know, the meditation piece of, like, not being over-engaged in the negative thoughts, in the difficulty, you know, getting some breaks to, to be in the, the present moment. It was just great. So I highly recommend that 10% yeah, right. Happier with Christian Neff. And I listened to another one that was talking about um, self-care and how, like, right, in feeling overwhelmed. It was talking about it specifically, I think it was a parenting podcast, about, you know, feeling, like, overwhelmed with trying to homeschool and work and be a parent and do all of the guidelines for Sounds everything. Terrible. My bum, Lord, just hearing about it. It sucks. Um, but, like, the using self-care to help kind of, re-energize and that self-care can look different from day to day right like one day a walk can feel like you're re-energizing but another day a walk can feel like another thing on your to-do list it, right like it, okay this is i know we mentioned this when we did our self-care thing like ages ago but i was on some article about something and it had a link to like oh the the top 10 ways to do self-care in quarantine i was like oh great 
And I was like, this was like today, like before we're having our thing. I'm like, oh, l- l- let me see what the experts say. And it was like, oh, well, there's this under eye cream that you can be using. And <laughs> it was like not self-care. It was like a bunch of products. <laughs> like this is what self-care is masquerading as. Yeah. No, self-care is, yeah, no, anything was, that helps buy, you, buy yourself that gives a you energy. Yeah. Um, was, was there anything else on your list? of? No. Uh, yeah. Okay, so. Um, and, oh, another actually, like, decent resource mm-hmm. um, I saw, and now, of course, I closed it out, was uh, the CDC. If you go on their website, they actually have some tips that are pretty similar to this um, stuff that we've been talking about, but for coping with, like, stress of quarantining. Like, awesome, um, yeah. So I would highly recommend that as well for people to check yeah. out because I was reading through there and I was doing some research for this. I'm like, oh, this is who knew? I didn't know the CDC covered like mental health stuff too. Yeah, that's so, that's um, good news. And I, I got to think out recommendations from last time. I've got to apply too, right? Like, don't sit around reading oh, the news that's all the one time. Of the they said they said yes, limit your news consumption. Totally. Yeah, yeah. and keep taking care of yourself and. Uh, Talk to others. Yeah. And the like. Meditate still. Yeah. Um, And it talked about too, like the checking on others as a way of like, right. Like feeling again, like you're, there is something within your control. There is something you can do. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a way of trying to help people. Mm -hmm. Check on them or or just send like loving messages or thoughts people's way that even that stuff alone can make you feel like you're doing something that's Mm -hmm. helpful. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, thanks um, for tuning in. And yeah, yeah leave hope. us comments and yeah, rate us yeah. and all those good things. Email yeah, us. all the click on things and write things and you know what to do. Mm-hmm. But it, it would be nice to have more of those things. That'd, that'd be great. Yeah, Thomas, what's your website? Um, geez, I haven't thought about it in a long time. Uh, ThomasSmithyman.com. And uh, you can email me. It's easy to contact me there or just drdr at ThomasSmithyman.com. And yeah. do you remember your email address? I do. We got we had like a new um, HIPAA compliant email server, so I oh. have it like drilled into me. Yeah. It's Marianne M A R I A N N E at anxietyaustin.com. Okay, so the same. The same, <laughs> the same, the same but now I know it. Now I'm sure of it. So all that's happened is okay. You remember it. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. The difference. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, um, I guess contact us with ideas to you know. Yeah. We always want to want to hear things that are because we we obviously forget because like we didn't even know we've never done one on a depression and um, we only realized we never done one on exposure like <laughs> that's that's pretty pathetic yeah that's pretty so sad. A, is that the one we haven't published yet we have one we haven't published yet oh it's definitely that one <laughs> okay so yeah it's floating around somewhere okay cool okay bye-bye we'll see you next time